0: Welcome to the In Scripture Podcast. I'm here with Alex and Vlad. How are you guys doing?
1: Good. Good. You know, the only consistent members of this podcast <laughs> are always here, always present.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Do Mark and Serge listen? Uh, Serge listens Serge for sure. Serge is pretty consistent. So Serge, Serge will Serge hear this.
1: Is, yeah. He ain't here. And Mark is like on and off. So three's a crowd though.
0: What have you guys been up to? What's going on? Well, I know Alex.
1: I know Vlad's not been doing anything. Vlad's been doing nothing. I've been chilling. No. <laughs>
2: I've been busy at home remodeling.
0: Mm, same. Yeah, stay busy. Going? You guys got a lot to do.
2: Um. Well, my wife and kids—they went and visited, you know, her mom mm-hmm. back in New York. So I took the oh, four days. Oh, see. You literally, like didn't tell my wife what Party. I was gonna do, and like remodeled the bathroom. Like did so much stuff that was on my to-do list. He just cleaned it up. <laughs> <laughs> Sweeped right <in> after. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, with kids, you know, it's just really hard to get projects done because mm-hmm. they try to help you out. They grab the screwdriver. They're climb, climbing they're up your ladder. they you more. Yeah, okay. so, like, it was an awesome opportunity to just get all those things off my
0: to-do list, so nice. that was me. Nice. Man, Alex, what have you been up to? I
1: don't know. Hanging out with you and Sergio. <laughs> yeah, though. yeah, yeah. That's what we were doing. We had a
0: good time. We were at kids' camp for a week. Yeah. That's always a... Uh, it's
1: the best week of the year. Yeah, for me.
0: it's the best week. And then like at the same time, it takes so long to get back to like life afterwards yep. that I just, I don't know. It's almost like I, I don't regret it, but like it's I never want to come back. It's such a bittersweet. Especially
1: when my wife is there. It's like, well, we did <clears throat> That's, miss our child.
0: That's see, the thing. Yeah, you, you got Marina there. You know, my wife wasn't there this year. And that for sure, because I mean, this is our first, like, this is the longest we've been apart since we got married mm-hmm. and you can feel it. The first like day or two, it's kind of, you know, especially for me, it's, it was easier because I know she had a tough time because she's just at home, mm-hmm. you know? And so she has all day to be sitting there thinking, man, oh, I miss you could it. have been Mark. doing
1: to-do projects like Vlad. Remodel their bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to get your mind off. Of it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it, it was definitely tough, especially towards the end of the week, man. You really realize. And it helps. It helped. Coming home too Having like Her waiting It made coming home Way easier for me Because usually It's such a Like such a hard process Having to Leave camp And come home And just kind of Re-acclimate to life When you just want to be there again But having Having her at home Definitely helped a lot
1: Yeah Let's get into the Spiritual side of camp I think Um It was It was a good It was a good subject We were talking about mm-hmm. The light And that was kind of Our whole focus Um but I really liked the Bible lessons we had and the subjects we talked about. I think one of them today we're going to touch on is Zacchaeus. Um, that was an interesting lesson, but... Um,
0: I wanted to ask you guys on this topic of, well, my mind is all about kids right now, and you, both of you, have your own children, so you have even more insight on this, but we hear we hear it preached from the pulpit often, or we, it's not even that it's preached. I don't know, I don't remember the last time I heard a sermon on it, but I feel like the phrase is always thrown around quoting Christ when he told us to be like children. You know, I don't know how many times you hear Russian people say, you know, but' kak Like that's such a common thing for us to just say. But why why do you guys think Christ said it? Like what what's the depth of being like a child? Well, where are we supposed to like, how far do we take that? Because, I mean, Alex, working with kids, there's a lot of things you're impressed by. And then there's a lot of things that you're like, man, I'm so glad I'm not like <laughs> a seven-year-old anymore, or eight-year-old or a 12-year-old. So what do you guys think Christ meant by that? You know, like where, what direction do you guys do you think he was first? going with?
2: Yeah, I can take this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I have two daughters, obviously.
0: Um But I don't think it's obvious to our listeners. No. Well, yeah,
2: <laughs> To you guys it is, at least. So I the way I interpret it, the way I see it in having kids, is the fact that kids are so simple. They totally depend on their parents. They don't worry about tomorrow. They don't worry about what they're going to eat. And that posture of just totally committing to your parents and saying, I'm not going to worry about it. He, They have my back. They, mm-hmm. They're going to get a place for me to sleep. I'm gonna have food on the table. I'm gonna be hung. Uh, I'm not gonna be hungry. So that reliance and total reliance on the parents is kind of a posture that we should have toward Christ. In addition to that, it's just how simple kids are. They don't judge other kids. They're like they don't care the color of your skin. They don't care what socioeconomic level Statist, you're on. Yeah. They'll play. Like our kids go to the playground. They'll play with any kid on that playground. And they're super simple. They find they find a common, you know, games they're playing. And it's just so simple the way they approach other people in life. But us adults, the more we grow, grow up, we just start judging people. We, you know, it just complicates things. And I think that part of the Bible, I think he just says, be like children, rely on me and just live life. Don't over, you know, worry about everything and Mm -hmm. just have your relationships be just like children, simple.
1: Yeah. What do you say? That's where I was going towards is the simplification of life. Uh, But at the same time, and Vlad touched on this too, I think it's the reliance on uh, your father, on your creator. Uh, We, we as adults, we grow up and we think we know a thing or two, you know, we start making these big decisions on our own. And we just don't have the simplicity of that relationship of a family with God. And we don't have reliance on God as much. And that's why oftentimes we go to God when we're in trouble, when we're stuck, Mm -hmm. when something going through a trial, our relationship with God is nonstop. But during the good times, during times where we're making big decisions in our life, we just make them sometimes with our spouse. Yeah. You know, we make the decisions with our friends. We make the decisions on our own and it's like, well, where's God? Yeah. And, um, we talked about, last time we're going to get into talking about wealth, but last time we talked about wealth is when James was talking about that all all wealthy people make these plans, right? Um, they make plans of what they're going to do tomorrow, and they don't include God in it, you know, as if God doesn't matter, as if they know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. And that's where James was calling out those people and saying, you can, who are you, but you're you're just a mist. Your life is a mist. You don't know what's going to happen in an hour or two, and now you're making all these plans and making them without God. So I think the relationship with Christ and just looking at kids, like I had a moment where this kid was, he just missed his dad. (laughs) He's like, can I borrow your phone to call my dad? (laughs) And I'm like, dude, take it. So he took it and he like, you know, called his mom or his dad and he was like, just wanted to say hello, just wanted to say hi, and like camp is going awesome, I'm learning so much. He, he, for some reason, he felt like there's a need for him to give his feedback to his parents about how good of a time he's having, you know? And I don't know if his mom told him, hey, you need to call me on Thursday at six o'clock. I doubt it. He just randomly felt like, hey, I need to call my parents. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm, that's what I mean is like, how often do we approach Christ and we're like, God, I just want to, just want to thank you. Just want to be with you. Just want to be with you and thank you. And I just want to, I don't even have requests. I just want to tell you how great and amazing you are and been in my life and how good of a life I'm having. Mm -hmm. And that's simplicity right there. And that's also reliance right there in my eyes is because you know who your creator, your father is, and you're just simply addressing him. But we overcomplicate things. We overthink things. We worry. And all these things are like going on in our head. So uh, that's the long answer to a very easy question.
0: I don't think it is an easy question, though. I think it is really complicated. Biblically, it's, it's easy,
1: but like explaining it.
0: Yeah. I, you made a really interesting point about how as adults, we, we tend to only acknowledge, not acknowledge God, but we only seem to like yearn for him when we're having a really tough time, when things are going downhill, when, when we're struggling, when we lose a job, when you know, when we're just having a tough time. That's when we seem to be falling on our knees, crying to God to come help us. And we forget about Him when everything is going great. Mm -hmm. When you look at children, though, they, yes, they need, you know, they need mom and dad when things are going bad, but children want attention from their parents just as much when things are going good. Like, I feel like it's really common that children want adults to play with them, you know, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but at least working with kids a lot. Yep. Kids really love when the adult joins them in playtime. You know, even though that's the best time. There's no problems. They're playing, they're having a good time, they have all their toys, they have whatever they're whatever's going on, everything is great. But like, I mean, think about kids camp, man. The kids, there's literally 120 of them, as if there's not enough kids to play with. Mm-hmm. But when the, when one of the adults decides to join, man, the kids lose their mind. <laughs> it's just to them, the idea that the person who's taking care of me is also with me mm-hmm. even during the good times, not just when they need to discipline me, but when we're just having a good time playing Gaga, the adult is there and like the kids' eyes just light up. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's what Christ was talking about. You know, don't forget about me when you're having a good time. You know, I want to be a part of the good time just as much as I'm a part of tough times for you. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point.
1: Yeah. I tried this new... um uh, this new technique of during the lesson where I did like this review. But what I would what I would do is I'd go in a circle, um, however the kids are sitting, and I'd be like, start with yesterday's lesson and give me the lesson and take turns. So it was pretty vague, but they figured out they picked it up pretty quick. You know, one kid would say like a sentence or two. Next kid would continue. So it took about two or three days. That's how I began my lessons. But by, by day three and four, um, they were like, let's do the review. Let's do the review because they were all on fire to talk about what they talked about yesterday. And then one day we ended up having that rainstorm. So mm-hmm. um, I remember the class was about an hour and a half. They're like, look, you got plenty of time. So Serge and I decided to do the class together that day. And um, it's not easy to do a one and a half hour Bible lesson. I mean, it's like, I was a little bit skeptical. Like, what are we going to do? But, we started the review, and now we had two groups. So, like, by the time everybody got a turn, that killed a half hour, but that half hour was awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody was involved. Kids were given their input. Um, so, basically, that was one pretty cool thing I got out of the camp is um, the more you involve kids in your lesson and the more you let them speak because they don't get to speak about Bible that much. Um, mm-hmm. They don't get quizzed on it as much. They should be, you know, but, you know, so, like, I Everybody's parents probably busy doing stuff. It's like, how often do you actually ask a kid in his opinion on what this verse means? Mm-hmm. They very rarely get asked, but when you give them that opportunity, they start speaking about it and they liked it. So that was like a cool thing is like starting, introduce them to the fact that you need to talk about the Bible, you know? Your, your thoughts matter about the Bible and they matter to other people. And if you never talk about it, how are you going to talk about it with somebody who doesn't know Christ? So that was one pretty cool thing that... I'd, um got out of
0: it it's interesting the context to that whole be like children starts with the disciples approaching christ this is written in matthew chapter 18 it says uh, verse one i'm just gonna read the first verse at that time the disciples came to jesus saying who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and you think you're like man how, how like how does christ take that question and pivot and pivot to be like a child mm-hmm that's so counter to that. But it, you, the more you think about it, the more you're like, man, that makes sense. Because that's what adults do. Verse 1, what the disciples did, that's what adults do. Mm-hmm. Where all It's a constant battle of one upping each yeah. other, even in a spiritual context. Yep. Like the disciples weren't asking, hey, how do I become more rich? Which we're going to talk about today. They were talking about spiritual things. They were talking about heaven. Like that's a good thing. But even in that... Like it's just so natural for adults to just be competitive. Like you're yeah, saying, like we just don't want to play like together. Mm-hmm. We don't. We for some reason we even if everything is going smoothly, we have to find a reason to like complicate things or create some sort yeah. of drama or conflict. Mm-hmm. And and Christ turns to them and he's like, Man, unless you convert and have faith like a little child, like it just doesn't matter. And that's I mean, I think it's a good transition point to what we're gonna talk about in James. Because one of these main problems that we have as, as adults is our finances, mm-hmm. our, our wealth, in, in whatever context you want to bring it up in. But that idea of, of greed, from, from what I was reading through these couple verses, and we're going to get into it right now, I feel like what James is more discussing here isn't even wealth, it's more greed. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's read through it. Vlad, do you want to read the first couple verses? Sure. Let's do it. I think it's uh, James 5, 1 through 6
2: one through six Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that come upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lied you have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in days of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you.
1: What's a fourth grade definition of rich?
0: More than everyone else.
1: <laughs> I did. you hit the nail on the head. I think um, what I was noting here is uh, I think those with more than they need to live. I think you're rich in that way. Um Again, your basic necessities or it doesn't have to be, it me- have to be money, about it could be you have more than you need to survive, mm-hmm. you're considered rich. So, um, I was kind of just thinking about that, like because James doesn't necessarily hear talk about he's not condemning you for being rich, He he's more of focusing on that your um, resources and the things you have, the wealth you do have, you're not using it properly. According to Scripture, according to God, you're using it improperly, more for your self indulgence and self growth. And um, I don't know. I was I was reading this too, and I, and he paints like this, this this kind of this description of what it is a wealthy person is oftentimes. And he like uses these keywords, you know, when he in verse we're not at verse six yet, but when he like calls calls you um, calls the rich or sorry, verse five, when he calls the rich, like the fattened cattle, you know, it's like you're taking in so much and you're indulging yourself with riches so much. And all you're doing is just setting yourself up for divine judgment. Cause you're going to be like that fat cattle that's brought forth as, you know, it's just like this, these vivid descriptions is James has just got this vocabulary that makes you really think. Yeah. So like every single comment I start with, with every James chapter,
2: seems to be going back to the last chapter, because I feel like mm-hmm. it almost blends in. Every little chapter is divided, but everything kind of flows together. If yes. you guys remember chapter four? We talked about God opposes the proud, mm-hmm. but gives grace to the humble. We talked about, God. It was, James was talking about humility, how you can to lower yourself, and then boasting about tomorrow, where people were saying, we'll go to tomorrow, we will do business, we'll come back, we'll do this. There's reliance on themselves. and then we jump into five, it says, Come now, you rich, weep in hell, for your miseries have come upon you. And he's just reminding us of the humility we need to have. That it's the idea is the rich person, the, the one who is rich, he's very independent, right? He doesn't really need God in those, and he's very attached to his wealth. And for a rich person, it's very easy to be attached to his wealth, to the material resources and be independent. And have a, you know, hard time with humility. Would you guys agree?
0: Yeah, I mean, it gives them like a, a false sense of self confidence. Mm-hmm. They they well, because this world is built in a way that money, money does matter. Right. You know, you do need some sort of money in this life. You need to you need to eat. You need to feed your children. You need to be able to put clothes on, on your back, on your children's back. Like money, to a certain extent, is important. So. I, I'm, I'm guessing the idea of having, like, an overabundance of it gives you this false idea of, I got this. Like, I'm good. yeah it's Because there's nothing, there's nothing money can't buy, you know? And then so you kind of give yourself this idea of, I can take care of any problems that arise. Just like you were bringing up the whole boasting about tomorrow in chapter 4. If you have enough money to solve any problem with a, with a check... Then yeah, like you're thinking, what's the worst that can happen tomorrow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The worst thing that can happen, I can I can pay it off, you know. Right. So you you get this false sense of I got it, Independent I can take care of this. God. And and of course, just like we were talking about the beginning about children, you know, times are good because you have enough money to to fatten your heart, like Losho was bringing up in verse five. You have enough money to basically buy your happiness, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So yeah, of course, you don't really need God anymore, at least. As we see, because in verse one he says, um, "Come now, you rich, and weep and howl for your miseries are coming upon you." That's what I want to ask you guys: What miseries? If if you are all, if you are rich and if you have nothing to worry about, what miseries is James bringing up here?
2: He's talking about the end, because like they they can they're rich now. They're abusing the other people under them. They they're having reliance on um, you know their riches garments. Our moth the gold and silver is corroded. He's saying, you guys are
1: relying on this wealth, but your end is Thinking it's going to last forever. It could be that. But it's not. He's, that's what he's saying. He's saying, but there is a divine judgment coming. Right. And you're not getting ready. All you're right. doing is stuffing yourself with just more of luxuries and pleasure.
2: Right. You're, you're, independ- you're living independent of God. You have no humility. Mm-hmm. And wealth and riches are an ob- obstacle to the kingdom.
1: And I think I think aside from James, if we can even do that here, but I'll go aside from James. I think um, the things that the problems that rich people have are oftentimes family, and oftentimes you know the personal collection connections with people. Like they can't they can't even get a normal marriage most of the time because the person that's with them is with them because they have money, mm-hmm. right? So these little things start creeping up in their life. Now their child, you know, goes to this super wealthy school, um, he can't, the child can't just go somewhere else to where normal kids go. Now he's going to have friends who have the same standards as their parents. So now you're in a society of like wealth and that separates you from normal, mm-hmm. you know, normal being. So you have these problems come up. And I think some serious family issues oftentimes arise with wealth, with uh, riches, um, because those little, James like puts rich people that they have these uh, this character and this mindset that needs to change that's what he's saying i think he's talking to the rich people that do go to church that do serve god that even do uh show repentance and they want to serve god and, and show this and um but he's telling them that like you're still uh your god is still money and that's the problem that's the problem you need to stop having that as your money and i obviously not my words this is like a you know, a highly educated theologian <laughs> sentence here, but it's, it's said that um, their real mission is that God is money and they're for prostituting the goodness and generosity of God. So like that's like a kind of like this, you know, term that what they're doing is taking the generosity that God gave them and they're just, just using it for their own mm-hmm. self-indulgence.
2: Yeah.
0: And you brought up a good point and we keep bringing this up because it is a very important point. James is writing this to believers. Yep. Like, I think that's really important for us to remember. This is not being written to a bunch of secular people who don't believe in yes. Christ.
1: This is not for Cardi B or... He's for-
0: writing this <laughs> to people who already, I mean, I quote unquote, have the faith, or at least they, they know of Christ. Like at this time and place, these were people who could be called Christians. So he's writing this to Christians, and I think you're 100% right that... Because the problem isn't necessarily the money. It's not the wealth. The problem is their what heart. what
1: they're doing, their heart. Exactly. That their
0: heart is built upon that dollar bill. Yep. And, and I love verse three. He kind of ends it off with, uh, your gold and silver are corroded. Uh, not verse three. Yeah, yeah, the end of verse three. You have heaped up treasure in the last days.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like maybe he, uh, to me, it's like he's creating this like image of just a pile of gold but then this person is just laying there and in their deathbed. And it's like this contrast of, okay, so you have a pile of treasure, but you're dying. Yep. What's the point? Like, what, what does it do for you? Can you buy another day of life? Did you
1: ever hear the, there was this example that went around. I don't know. It's probably made up, but it's one of those things we, we all kind of heard of at some point. But I heard in the sermon about the rich man that was dying, you know, he was extremely wealthy And he's like, I will give all of my fortune for an extra 15 minutes of life. But nobody, nobody can give that to him. Nobody. You can put any dollar amount and to to give you 15 more minutes to be on earth with your family, when it's your time to go, who can provide that for you? Nobody. And that's the sad reality you realize when you focus your whole life on your riches and wealth and just, just pushing forward your life. You you're not in connection with God and he's the only one that could give you life. So, yeah. And the scripture is full of passages warning to the rich, right?
2: Um, it's hard for a rich to enter through the eye of it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of eye a of needle. needle than mm-hmm. a rich man to enter into the kingdom or first Timothy six ten: for the love of money is the root of all evil.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: like literally there's not a sin that a person will not commit for wealth and money. Mm-hmm. Right. People will go great lengths, you know, to to acquire money because it's their idol, like it's their god, like you were saying, Alex. So that that's kind of the. I, I mean, the, I read it here, and you said this might be written to Christians. It could also be written to non to, to non Christians, where it brings up the rich. This is just my interpretation of how I read it. Um, it's talking about the rich, and it says that they were mistreating their laborers. Right, mm-hmm. they mold their fields, and then it goes into in the next passage in the next section. It's going to talk about patience and suffering. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it could be interpreted both ways,
1: and that's the thing. You you hear the eye of the needle story, but as Zacchaeus, we learned about him at camp. We talked about him with the kids, and my message was, um, I remember we talked about morning prayer too. You know, Jesus just just right before the parab, or just right before Zacchaeus happening, he talked about um, that the rich, um, it's not impossible with God for the rich to meet God, right? It, it's possible. Anything with God is possible. Mm-hmm. And, and as soon as Jesus talked about that, there you go, Zacchaeus came along and he was, um, he if was, rich. a he was a, you know, the master tax collector, chief tax collector, very wealthy person. And it showed everybody that a wealthy person It's not the wealth, it's the heart. It's the Mm -hmm. heart. Yeah. He had the drive to meet Jesus. He went and met Jesus. And at that point, his money meant not much to him because he gave away uh, such a big portion of it to others. So money didn't have that value of importance. Jesus was his value of importance, right? So it is possible. It is possible. It's not like a thing where oh, it's, it's impossible for a rich man. So
2: what's the remedy? I think you already said it.
1: Uh... For remedy for what if not to be trusting in your wealth oh you said it in your sentence yeah well probably just putting that value on on money like how- you, what did Zacchaeus do he gave it away gave it away yeah like generosity I think that's
2: the antidote to trusting in money and the love of money because like you said there's nothing wrong about being rich mm-hmm. absolutely nothing wrong there's plenty of people in the Bible that were rich like you said Zacchaeus, Joseph of Arimathea, right? There's Abraham was rich. There's a lot Solomon. of people. Solomon, yeah. So. I guess Solomon was kind of rich. got <laughs> 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 a gold a little temple, bit. I mean. Uh. Yeah, so uh, I think the lesson that I get out of it is that money isn't evil. Rich isn't, isn't evil. It's just we need to have a light touch on our wealth yeah. that we don't, shouldn't be attached to it. We shouldn't be living for it. And if we lose it, you know, like Job, everything was taken away. God gives, God takes away. We
1: should have a light touch in like what I was getting at. The remedy to that is to be generous. generous. Yeah, I want to move into verse four, but real quick before we do, uh, when I was reading verse two, you know, mm-hmm. talked about the corrupted and moth-eaten riches. I was just thinking about that. And oftentimes you do see celebrities or like wealthy people, all they do is show off the stuff they have. That's what they're proud of. You know, they show off something that they have that's expensive, but at the end of the day, what is that to your life? It's nothing. And and honestly, people might care about it, but they'll only care about it for a second. And then they forget about you, you know? So, like, all of these riches that people show off and, you know, and in, in, um, what's the term that Gen, Gen Z uses? Uh, flex. <laughs> <laughs> all these celebrities that flex all that they have. Um, that's all they do. And that's all, that's all they put value to. And people are like, oh man, it's so cool that he has a Lamborghini. And then you move on with your life. And it's like, what else does this person known for other than his Lamborghinis? It's like, the thing is, it's 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 corrupted and moth-eaten, and but they see value in it, even though there's no value in
0: it. Well, it's one thing when the world does that. I can almost excuse the world for that because they don't have anything better. Mm-hmm. Like what they think that's that life. they think that is the yeah. pinnacle of life. Mm-hmm. What's worse is when you see this in a church, yeah, where I you think that's what we should focus where where on you way. know the answer, where right. you know that there's something better, and yet people are still consumed in who pulls up on a nicer car,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and. And I love how verse three, he goes into how your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and you and it will eat your flesh like fire. It's it's almost like he's painting this picture of.
1: He's good at that too.
0: Yeah, he's (laughs) He's so good at like imagery. Where that's what
1: I was saying earlier
0: with the whole mirror and everything in chapter two. Like he's so good at creating this like visual image of what what's happening here, and he's taking this gold and silver and that's just that's just a another word for material possessions like yep. it can be anything it can be your cool clothes it could be the fancy watch you're wearing on your wrist it can be anything but he's saying that stuff is going to almost it's going to show you your own true colors and it's going to burn your own flesh because it's a never ending match like you're saying it doesn't matter how cool this one thing is because there's something cooler out there mm-hmm. there's something fancier there's something better someone is going to have something nicer you come to church one sunday with one thing next sunday someone already shows you up and it's it's this burning like thing in your flesh like he creates this image of your flesh is on fire because no matter what you do if you're trying to please yourself with these material things your flesh will never be satisfied
2: mm-hmm. so that begs the question should a christian in gen z term flex should we <laughs> no should we, as a christian should we be no. showing off ever no. no, about what we have: our car, our job, no. how much we make, no, how many, how our bi- successful our business. You can is.
1: humbly have nice things. You truly can. Yeah, nobody. If you are truly humble, you're not gonna wanna show. Nobody's
0: telling you to go live in a in a box, you know. Like nobody's saying that you need to just completely throw away your life and all your possessions and everything. Although the argument could be made, because <laughs> Christ makes that argument, yep. I guess. Yep. Sell all but you But again, it's. <laughs> I think it's it's in your heart it's what your heart is truly desiring or wanting you know if and, and that's the problem because we can't look into everyone's heart like I can't look into your guys's heart and I'm sitting right in front of you let alone the people listening to this we can't look into your heart and be like hey you're one ounce too focused on what kind of car you're driving I can't say that. Like, I can't. I can maybe in like look at someone, but even then, now I'm judging them, you know. And that, that's already a whole other topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's really a personal thing that you have to look into into your own heart and just realize what are my priorities. You know, do I really care about the kind of house I live in, or the kind of car I'm driving, or, you know, the clothes on my back? Is it is it that much of a priority where I can't like I feel uncomfortable because I don't think that I'm. Wearing nice enough clothes, or or that person, I look down on them because they're not wearing nice enough clothes. These are all things that we just—you kind of have to be the judge of it for yourself, and you have to be brutally honest with yourself. Yep. About am I actually doing that? James brings up a couple. Uh, I think it's chapter three where he talks about how like the rich man enters mm-hmm. and a poor man enters, right. and you show favoritism towards the rich man. Right. That's a very common. Th- we talked about how that's a very common thing in the church that you do show favoritism based on how someone's dressed. Mm-hmm. That alone is already you acting like one of these rich men.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's, um, I think, an easy way to catch yourself. And um, just speaking for myself, but if you have to tell somebody about a nice thing that you have, think why you're doing that. It's like, why do you have to tell your um, social media followers about what you just bought? Or ate. (laughs) (laughs) Which restaurant you're at? Like, why... Why do you feel the need to let them know? Now, there could be reasons. I'm Mm -hmm. not against. I think if you're traveling, I think people want to know where you're going. They want to know your opinion on stuff.
0: Or if everyone has, like, common interests, you know? Like, if you're hanging out with the guys and everybody's talking about, like, a cool, I don't know, like a four-wheeler that Yosha just bought or something, like, I don't think you're trying to brag or anything. It's just we're we're all on the same page and we're all like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, we're all in agreement. I think that's okay. Yeah, there's...
1: But if But if, like you know, you, you bought something very expensive and you're and you're only feeling a need to tell because you want to tell people you have it. Like, that's one of those things where you need to stop and think, if I, you know, what that's am I doing <laughs> Um mm-hmm. But I think verse four is where it really gets into a rich Christian, possible rich Christian person. And the reason I say that is because here's the problems that James brings up, the sins, the problems that are in, the rich people's hearts is the fact that behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields which is of you kept back by fraud so um, right now we see James showing kind of um, that you do own if you do own fields or you do hire people to work you're making more and more money off their hard work and you're pushing them to you know limits Or you can even be defrauding them and you could still be going to the same church, have the same relationship and and then not even feel weird about it. You know, that's where the problem is. Um, What are how are you making your wealth? Right. Especially if you're including people from your church that work for you and stuff. Are you being fair? Um, I think those are those are that's where James really starts getting into um, the church. I don't know. What do you guys think?
0: I think it's something that he kind of touches on a little earlier and one of the things that kind of popped up into my mind and correct me if I'm wrong but one of the one of the lessons that I kind of took from it isn't necessarily that James is targeting uh, it's, it's kind of like what we've been talking about that he's not necessarily targeting the material things he's tar- targeting the heart of the people who possess these material things but it's almost like he's bringing up this topic in a way that the only way to achieve those things is for you to be this kind of a person like for you to achieve these kinds of riches you kind you kind of have to be corrupt mm-hmm. you know like to get to that point you have to start cutting out some of the corners of being a, a good christian and that's where that's where the problem lies that for you to uh, you know for you to obtain that kind of wealth you got to start being a little nasty to your workers
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know for you to obtain that wealth Compromise. some of that gold might be a little corrupt if you know what i mean like you're not getting it with the most honest means and and that's where the problem lies where you start kind of cutting out some of your values and morals as a person to get that you know one more dollar one more dollar and and this is kind of the pinnacle of that where he brings up this exact example of a laborer and you're not paying those people who are working for you properly and the scariest part is that he ends it off saying that their cries um, and, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord. Yep. And that's the scariest part. <laughs> and and then that's... He,
1: he mentions who the Lord really is. It reminds us, right? <clears throat> have you guys noticed that at the end of verse 4? He says, um, the Lord of Sabbath. And it's not, I always see that, and I used to think Sabbath, but it's not Sabbath. <laughs> it's it's talking about Sabbath and, uh, or Lord of hosts. Mm-hmm. And then if you look that up, I'm sure you guys have looked at commentaries and stuff, but if you do look that up, <clears throat> it's talking about, um that he is God is the commander of all the armies of the angels and everything mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. he has this powerful force behind him that's who he is commander in chief and that's who is hearing the cries of the ones yep. you're defrauding so he kind of tells you you're you're not messing with something little yeah. you got to remember who who now you're have a case against right you know who God is and um if anything conviction and scared is what I would be feeling, you know? And I, I'm truly, I am feeling it. You know, I might, I might not be the guy that's, uh, you know, doing verse four, but at the same time, it's like, what am I focusing on? What's my heart focusing on and who is God? You know, it's like a good, strong reminder.
0: Well, just the fact that God himself is going to deal with these people, yep. that's, that's a scary part because when <clears throat> it's common for us to look at people with wealth with envy and and we want what they have and we want to kind of grow more into their status or and thinking that God himself is looking down and he he's telling you like don't worry about them i'm going to take care of them like i get what they're doing and that's a problem that i personally will deal with myself that's that's where it's it's really scary and it's scary because we keep bring, we're bringing up all these examples of how we can be that person, but now we're bringing up the point that God's going to deal with that person. Yeah. So now, like, w- w- am I that person? Because I don't want I don't want to have to be the one who has to face God when He's looking at me, asking me why you know why wasn't I fair, mm-hmm. yeah. why was I prioritizing menial things when there's people starving on this planet? You know, I don't want to be the one to have to face Him and explain myself because I don't really have a good reason to be. Prideful in my own wealth,
1: and he kind of continues in verse five, um, talking about ye have lived in pleasure on earth, and ye, and uh, been wanton. You ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. <clears throat> and he keeps going. Basically, you have all these pleasures and all this luxury that you got from the hard work of other people, defrauded others, defrauded others, yeah. and you're you're just nourishing yourself or like just fattening yourself, you know, with all these little pleasures. And it's like a a thing that, like you said earlier, never stops. It Mm -hmm. never stops. It's always an indulgence that keeps, um, I think, keeps coming back.
0: Well, we keep bringing it up. We've been going through the book of James, and how many times do we bring up the topic of pride? Mm -hmm. How that's, you know, that's like the core sin that humans have to deal with. We talked about it, I think, last episode or the episode before, about how the very first sin ever committed was was pride. Yep. Satan was proud of himself. And then what does he do? Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. he, con- he changes, he manipulates them. And what's the sin they commit? A sin of pride. pride. They want to be like, like God. God. Yep. Pride is at the center of all the sin that we do because at the end of the day, the devil realizes the, the person we care more than anybody about is ourselves. Yep. And it's scary to think that because you know we have wives, we have children, we have people we care about, but Satan does that to us. He he tries to corrupt us in a way where our biggest weakness is ourselves. And you know, verse five, he's bringing up this whole idea of fattening your heart. You know, he, he's again. I don't think he's talking about wealth. I think he's talking about greed, about how hungry our heart is to serve ourselves, to feed ourselves, to acknowledge ourselves, whether it's to whether it's through popularity, whether it's through money, whether it's through material possessions, whatever the case may be. This this wanting to feed our own ego is really what's the problem here. Yep. That's that's the issue that we're dealing with.
1: I think when you have ego, you're missing one thing and that's self-denial. You're no longer thinking you're doing anything wrong. You're no longer thinking about what could I improve on. All you're doing is thinking about how great you are and how yep. you want to be greater. When you don't have self-denial, that, that grows inside of you and when it becomes out of control, that's when you end up being that fattened calf. All you're doing is is filling yourself, filling yourself, and you have no self denial, you have no self correction, you have no um, you're just so proud of everything you have and everything you've done. I've done this. Yeah. I you know, I've started down here and now I'm up here. And it's like, look, look what I have done. You don't you don't look for God you don't look for God at all. And that's
0: why humility is such a <clears throat> such a important counter topic in the Bible. I mean, how many times do we read about humility? It's such a common like discussion point because it's such and because pride is such an issue, the opposite of pride would also be really popular <laughs> in the Bible because that's mm-hmm. that's the solution to pride, humility. Like you said, the solution to greed, like financial greed, what is it? humble yourself, and instead of obtaining riches, generous. give riches. Yep. Be generous. The opposite of, of wanting to bring your own image up is to raise other people's images up. That's That humility is what helps you fight that pride. It's what helps you try to learn how how rewarding life can be when you decide to humble yourself and actually help others around you as opposed to just helping yourself.
1: Well said. Yeah. And Verse six is kind of like a, uh, I don't know, it kind of touched me too in a way because it talks about, <clears throat> he, he have condemned and killed the just, and He does not resist you. Uh, or, sorry, and He, yeah, and He does not resist you. So, when you're wealthy and in power, He's talking about that those people that did have the wealth and power, they now have, uh, whether it has to do with courts, You know, whether they work through the courts, but they have actually committed murder, you know, judicially or through law uh, because people were getting in their way. And I mean, we see that today, Mm -hmm. Easily see that today. You know, the people that have a lot of wealth, a lot of power, if they don't like your voice, they will shut you up. It is not difficult for them, you know, and you read all these stories and people are always skeptical. You know, was it a suicide? Was it really a suicide? (laughs) You know? the cameras just happen to be off during that hour. And it's like, people are not dumb. We all know things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's the thing. It's like, it's so evident today. It's so evident today. And that's what comes with a lot of wealth is a lot of power. And when you have a lot of power, like I mentioned earlier, there's no self-reflection at all. You're just focused in on gaining more power. Because he, here's the question I always ask is like, When you have all the money, what are you gonna want next? Because you're gonna want some power. You're gonna want more power. I think also you're gonna want more control. Mm -hmm. If you can control somebody's life, that's that's another drive that you're gonna strive towards. You know, controlling people's lives because you don't care about money anymore. That's not an issue in your life. So it's like a slippery slope. Yep. It's very very. Riches lead like I I kind
2: of feel like the riches lead to this. When you start at the bottom. You acquire more, you acquire more, you acquire more. And then gets to that point, it's just like a slippery slope down to power, control, and everything else. The root of all evil is the love of money, yeah. where you love it. It's your idol. And day and night, you think about,
1: how can I acquire more? How can I acquire and more? And you could be in a church, and your God could be money. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what James is trying to say here. Is, um, it's a warning to
2: us. I mean, we're young. We're still you know aspiring. We're still trying to figure out our careers, where we want to go. We want to support our families. And those are all good motivations. Mm -hmm. But it's always a good reminder for us to stop and say, why do I want that? And like we need to humble ourselves and know that God is in control, that he will provide for us. But we need to always pump the brakes Mm -hmm. and stop ourselves. And as soon as we start going off that track, pull back.
0: Can I go further? Yes, go further. Okay, verse seven and eight. I think these are really connected. Um, I know, I mean, my Bible splits it up, but... We're going to get into old, a little bit of faith. Old old yeah. texts, there was no chapter. You know, there, there were no... no verse. So so this is all connected. So verse seven and eight, because I, I specifically feel like James is... he He presents this problem in the first six verses, and I think seven and eight almost answer it and then continue with other things. But verse seven, Therefore, be patient, brethren until the coming of the lord see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain you also be patient establish your heart for the coming of the lord is at hand this portion right here um where he tells where he says like a farmer be patient because you're waiting for that fruit that is eventually going to come it's he's almost telling us for us who aren't that rich person and for the rich person, because he warns them, again, that riches, it comes to an end and you're going to have to deal with what comes later, the misery that comes after. But he's almost talking to the other people here. He's like, therefore, be be patient until the coming of the Lord because he will come. And it's almost like he he's sending out a calling for all of us that, yes, you have to be patient because that fruit will come. But to me, it's it's almost a calling because he brings up an, the example of a farmer, and with James, as we as we can see, like he brings up these imagery things, and it's never so for nothing. Strong, so it's never strong, for nothing. He, you can tell that he really thought about it, and and he knew what he was trying to say. So I think there's a reason he brings up a farmer because farmers, yes, their goal, their ultimate goal, is to reap what they sowed, that fruit, that that harvest, but if anybody knows anything about agriculture, it's a lot of work to get to that. It's a lot of patience too. It's a lot of patience, but patience doesn't mean the farmer plants the seeds and then goes twiddles his thumbs inside. He is working on it. It's constant work. It's watering. It's it's keeping animals out. It's constant work. And that calling that James, he's telling us here to be like that farmer where yes, on one hand, be patient, but on the other hand, you got to get to work. Like if you are waiting for the Lord, that doesn't mean you get to go sit and just do nothing. You need to get up and you need to go. Like you have to go and do something with this faith. You have the answer. Like the world is dying and you have the answer in your hands. You have to do something with it. Like you have to take that knowledge to the world around you.
1: Yeah. And, um, That's the thing I was talking about with you guys earlier off the record. We were talking about how once you start serving, your drive for serving will grow. If you start serving the Lord and and he's using you and you realize your potential, that's all you're going to want to do. And then suddenly you realize that sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow, but you will start to lose drive for earthly, Mm -hmm. wealthy things. They don't matter to you anymore. Because you, you realize there's a war going on. What am I doing, you know? Sure, I, maybe I'm not. If you're wealthy, pay for the ammunition, right? Pay for the bullets for the war. Pay for the guns. Pay for, I'm just metaphorically speaking here. Like, pay, <laughs> provide, provide the things needed. If you're not rich, grab the bullets and start putting them in the gun, right? What I'm saying is, like, you, everybody, no matter how rich or poor you are, There's a war going on where you could be useful, and once you start serving Lord, you realize that I can be useful here, and I can just do minimal to keep food on my table, a roof over my head, and keep my family safe, um, and keep my family comfortable, but I don't need to make my life about that. I don't need to grow in that. I need to grow in what we can do in the war, right? So... um, That's kind of the thing is you have to get involved. You have to start the work and continue the work. And from there, wealth is not going to be a problem to you. Um, You're not going to have uh, these issues where you have laborers and you're, you know, abusing them. And you're just making more money off of them. And you're doing all these nasty things to people um, because the riches are corrupting your mind. You're not going to have that because you're too busy serving God, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, I want to, if you guys are okay with it, I want to wrap up. Like always, to talk about Jesus a little bit, because he's um when he came to this earth, creator of all, mighty in power, he owns everything, and then here comes a time when he was in the desert, and Satan comes up with, "Look at all the kingdoms, I will give them all to you. It's like, who are you offering this to that the you're offering this to God who created everything? Mm-hmm. Do you really think you can win over? Right, but Satan attempted. He attempted. He did. He did what he was striving to do. Right, but my point being is, Jesus came here as what uh, I have it in my notes here. He came here as, um, he willingly relinquished his eternal riches, or he came here becoming poor. Right, he came here to be a lowly, humble servant. Mm-hmm. And Old Testament talks all about that. You know, I have like Zechariah 9.9, It talks about that he. He is humble and mounted on a donkey, right? Then it talks about in 2 Corinthians that it says, the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty, you might become rich. And now I think it's going into a little bit of, um, it's not, I don't think it's rich as in you'll get more money or you'll get more wealth. It's you'll be rich with wisdom, with knowledge, with scripture so that you can be useful um, to to bring the kingdom of God, right, to preach Jesus. And that's the wealth we all want to strive to, is spiritual wealth. Mm-hmm. And just like James began in chapter 1, uh, he, he said the Lord gives, what, he gives liberally, right, wisdom? Mm-hmm. He gives it liberally. There's no end to it. He has an abundance of it. So what are we doing wasting our time trying to grow in wealth and, 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 and messing with people and, and, you know, having this drive when... Um, we should be focused on growing spiritually. And that anyways, going back to Jesus, he came here as a lowly servant. He was a carpenter. By no means was he wealthy. Um, it, it didn't mention anything about him. Um, he wasn't the guy to go and like provide financial wealth to everybody. You know, he, he provided healing. He provided help. He provided um, things that are so above money. Yeah. That it just reminds me of Matthew. Um, sermon on the
2: mouth. Blessed are the poor in spirit, mm-hmm. where that is needs to be our po- posture—that
1: we are humbled and yeah. poor, relying on God, yeah. not our riches. Stay away from prosperity preachers that that are always saying God wants to make you wealthy and uh, successful in this life. No, God wants to give you God wants to give you wisdom, spiritual wisdom and knowledge in His Word, and fill you with that. He's not—he doesn't want to fill you with money. Now. Obviously speaking, I think if you work hard, God blesses you, you might have an abundance. Use it for him, you know? He doesn't need your money, but other people might need it to survive so he can use you, you know, to to further pay for things or or do something. So like I was saying earlier, uh, there's a war going on and everybody can be useful. Mm -hmm. Um, And no matter what you have, use it for the war. But if you use it on yourself, you're going nowhere. All that you're buying is this corrupted... Moth-eaten stuff that's gonna go away, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Translation. <laughs> everything will burn, as the Slavic community likes to say. True. Just
0: true. <laughs> you, guys, you guys. I I like that. That was good. That was very good.
1: It's it's anytime we wrap up with Jesus is just so amazing because he fulfills everything. You know, he does everything so right, and he he was so ahead of everything that no matter what you read in any of the Gospels, Jesus just fulfilled them easily and we can just read about it and be like, he was the right, he did the right thing. And this is what he did. This is what yeah, we should try to
0: it. It's just one. And this is just one of those topics that are so like contrasting. It's so easy to put Jesus, put me, and I can clearly see that I am not good enough. Like mm-hmm. specifically when it comes to my wealth. And, you know, and I know I have too much of things, you know, and that's that's where this topic really is really hard because we all struggle with this 100%. This is something that we all deal with on on a daily basis probably and again like i was saying earlier it's hard for you can i can't just sit here and give you an answer like you have to have exactly this amount of stuff. Anything more and it's that's it, it's a sin. Anything less it's not a sin. There's no answer. The answer is be more generous, be more like Christ, you know, try harder to be a nicer person. And, and that's not really quantifiable. It's just something that we have to strive towards, just like Christ, He set that ultimate example. And I think you brought up a great point, Dosha, that I think the way to get to this point is to just serve. Mm-hmm. Start serving almost, I don't I don't know if it's okay to say like force yourself into ministry. start fighting for people's souls. and And I think Christ will give you the the clarity to look at wealth and riches and all these materialistic things. And he'll show you that fighting for someone's life is so much more valuable. Like yeah. it's so much more than all the riches in this world. And and it's one of those things that you just, you won't see that unless you're in that and you have to force yourself You have to push yourself. You have to keep reading scripture. That's, that's a really important one that you have to, you have to keep reading about Christ, about all the amazing things he did about all the times where he rejected a, a safer, maybe more wealthy life for, the people who he cared about and yeah that's all it, we can do is just try our best to to be more like him every day
2: back to jesus he came he was god uh, 100% god 100% man right so he came to this earth he had the power to have the wealth and everything but he chose to come as a lowly babe he chose to be a carpenter he chose to be a ser- to serve not to be served he took yep. the lowly place yep and rightfully so and uh, makes sense. Yeah, and it just reminds me and encourages me. It's uh, the Bible says seek first the kingdom of God. Yep. If you seek first God, everything else will fall in its place. But if we're focused on riches and how to hustle, how to start that business, how to do uh, how, you know, how to make it in life and that's our focus, God might look at us and say you don't you can't have wealth with that kind of heart. I can't give you more money. If you focus on God and your and your heart is totally on him, maybe he will provide you riches because your heart is not attached to those riches
1: there's a <laughs> there's a saying one of the we were talking to one of the brothers from church who's a deacon but he was ta- talking about something Mark and I were talking at you mark other Mark and he's like um, you strive for something and you're like I see the light at the end of the tunnel you know you could be so wealthy and you could be like I'm almost there I'm almost there mm-hmm. I'm almost CEO I'm, I'm moving my way up but that light is is the train coming towards your way. You know, that, <laughs> and it, he mentioned that, and I was funny, because oftentimes that's that's what it is, right? We see that light, we strive. And that's what, when you're going for wealth, that's all you're going to do is go to something that's that's useless and moth-eaten, and you're going to focus your whole life on it. And you might build an empire, and you might think you're enjoying all these things, but you're not. And I think we brought up First Timothy, and I think it'd be fair for us to read it. It talks about the love of the money, but... Verse nine, it says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people in ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils and is through this craving that some have wandered away from faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I think those two verses right there pretty much wrap up the whole topic. What are you focused on? What are you chasing? And um, Christ came, humble servant because be, because if he didn't because if he didn't those cravings for money and power would have driven him away but he's god knowing better knowing all of that he mm-hmm. came as a lowly servant yep. that's what you have to do stoop down your level and 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 think about who you are and uh think about jesus a god that came here as a creator who he was and who are you today who are you striving to be i think we're going to end it at that amen amen prayer amen, amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this amazing time, for this amazing scripture. And uh, thank you for once again showing us that you did everything perfectly and correctly when you came here, Lord, and you're such a great example to us and that we should strive to be like you. Let not our um, wealth and riches and well-being be the pleasures that we're seeking, but let the wisdom that you have, let let, let that be our wealth that we're seeking, Lord, all the scriptural wisdom and spiritual wisdom so that we can lead others to you Um, Let us seek that. Let us always ask for that, Lord, because that's the most important thing. Thank you for all that you do for us. May your name be praised. Amen.